Good morning, everyone. And I'd like to add to Ron's uh, Happy Mother's Day, my Happy Mother's Day to all of our mothers this morning. If you would, open up your Bibles to the book of Numbers. We're continuing our study of the book of Numbers. We will be in chapter 17 of Numbers. Now, as you can tell as we're going through the book of Numbers, things seem rather hopeless for the nation of Israel. They had been brought out of Egypt. They had been promised that they would come into the land of Canaan. They came to the base of Mount Sinai. They were given a good life-giving law. They were given the instructions on how to build the tabernacle. They built the tabernacle. And the Lord called them forth to go into the promised land that He had been preparing for them. And yet, when they came to the edge of the promised land, they rebelled. They did not receive the good gift that the Lord was giving to them. And for the last several chapters, we've seen how this rebellion and this grumbling has played out. And as the people grumble and complain, the Lord brings judgment upon them. Yet even in the judgment, He brings salvation. And yet here in chapter 17, there is a change of pace. Instead of the Lord responding to the people's grumbling with judgment... He comes with a gracious sign of hope to bring their grumbling to an end. So let us turn our attention now to Numbers chapter 17, beginning in verse 1. Hear now the word of the Lord. The Lord spoke to Moses saying, Speak to the people of Israel and get from them staffs one from each father's house, from all their chiefs according to their father's houses, twelve staffs. Write each man's name on his staff, and write Aaron's name on the staff of Levi, for there shall be one staff for the head of each father's house. Then you shall deposit them in the tent of meeting before the testimony where I met with you. And the staff of the man whom I choose shall sprout. Thus I will make to cease from me the grumblings of the people of Israel, which they grumble against you. Moses spoke to the people of Israel, and all their chiefs gave him staffs, one for each chief, according to their father's houses, twelve staffs. And the staff of Aaron was among their staffs. And Moses deposited the staffs before the Lord in the tent of the testimony. On the next day, Moses went into the tent of the testimony. And behold, the staff of Aaron for the house of Levi had sprouted and put forth buds and produced blossoms. And it bore ripe almonds. Then Moses brought out all the staffs from before the Lord to all the people of Israel. And they looked. And each man took his staff. And the Lord said to Moses, Put back the staff of Aaron before the testimony to be kept as a sign for the rebels that they may make an end of their grumblings against me, lest they die. Thus Moses did as the Lord commanded him. So he did. 
And the people of Israel said to Moses, Behold, we perish. We are undone. We are all undone. Everyone who comes near, who comes near to the tabernacle of the Lord shall die. Are we all to perish? This is God's holy word for us as people. Let us pray. Father, we come to your word now. And we ask that you would speak into our hearts. Father, we ask that where there is hopelessness, that you would bring hope. Where there is grumbling and grieving, that you would bring it to an end. Lord, even where there is death, that you would call forth life according to the promise of your word. We pray this in Christ's holy name. Amen. The story of Mario Tonelli is one that might seem hopeless. Mario was the son of Italian immigrants in the early 20th century. And when he was six years old, living in Chicago, Mario had a horrible accident in which his legs were severely burned. After the, this ordeal and his initial recovery, the doctors told his parents discouraging news. There was no chance, there was no hope that their son would ever walk again. It is the type of news that can completely steal all of our hope. There's no chance. It's not going to happen. So don't get your hopes up. Just a few chapters ago, Israel received a similar type of hopeless news. Following their rebellion and refusal to enter the promised land, the Lord swore that they would never enter the land. And He confirmed it with an oath saying, but truly as I live, And as all the earth shall be filled with the glory of the Lord, none of the men who have seen my glory and have not obeyed my voice shall see the land which I swore to give to their fathers. They will not make it to their goal. They will not enter the land. It's not going to happen. And I think that in the midst of the hopeless situation, after coming after out of Egypt with a great hope of inheriting a land flowing with milk and honey, we can understand why they had this desire to grumble. How can they have anything but negative words about their situation? How can they have hope when they've been told that there's no chance of entering the promised land? How can anyone have hope when there is no hope? When the doctor says there's no hope of recovery, how can we have hope? When your spouse says there's no hope for the marriage, how can you have hope? When you've lived with the darkness of depression for years, how can you have hope that tomorrow will be any better than today? Again, how can you have hope when the situation is hopeless? 
For the last several chapters, the people of Israel have been grumbling. They've given themselves over to the hopelessness of their situation. Yet in our passage for this morning, we see that in the Lord, it is the Lord's intention to end their grumbling. Look at verse 5. The Lord says exactly what He's doing in this episode. He says, I will make to cease from me the grumblings of the people of Israel, which they grumble against you. Yet how will he do this? How is he going to end the grumbling of the people? In the previous chapters, the Lord responded to grumbling and rebellion with judgment. And rightfully so. Yet, in chapter 17, the Lord comes to his grumbling, hopeless people with a different approach. He commands that a staff, a dead piece of wood, be brought from each of the tribes and placed before the Ark of the Covenant that is inside the tabernacle where the presence of the Lord dwelt. And in a miraculous act, the Lord would display that He can give the hope of life to a people without hope. That is, to end the hopeless grumblings of the people, the Lord will take what is dead and He will bring it to life. Now, on Mother's Day, I'm often reminded of the story of Sarah. Sarah and Abraham. As you remember, they were well beyond the years of childbearing. Sarah was 90 and Abraham 100. A hopeless promise that she would conceive and have a son. When Sarah heard the promise, the Bible tells us that she laughed at the words of the Lord. It was so ridiculous to her that she would ever become a mother. Nevertheless, the Lord promised that through this woman, a great nation, even the nation of Israel, would arise. The Apostle Paul, looking back on this, writes in Romans chapter 4, In hope, Abraham believed against hope that he would become the father of many nations as he had been told. He did not weaken in faith when he considered his own body, which was as good as dead, or when he considered the barrenness of Sarah's womb. No unbelief made him waver concerning the promise of God, but he grew strong in his faith fully convinced that God was able to do what He had promised. How did the mother and father of Israel, Sarah and Abraham, hope against hope that they would have a child? They believed the promise that God was able to bring life from a barren womb. They believed His Word that He could call forth existence from emptiness. The promise of life is what gave them hope. And in our text for this morning, we again see that the Lord makes a promise that He will bring forth life from death. The Lord has commanded Moses to collect a staff from each of the tribes of Israel. Now the staff was not only a sign of authority from these leaders, but it was also a sign representing the whole tribe itself. 
The word for staff in Hebrew is the exact same word for tribe. And so as these staffs were brought forth, and as the name of each leader was written upon this staff, it was a visible representation of each staff being placed, each tribe being placed before the Lord. And the word of promise comes in verse 5. The staff of the man whom I choose shall sprout. It is as though the Lord were saying to His people, there is no life in Israel. You are a barren people. Yet I, I will bring life to you through My chosen One. By My word of promise, life will again come into the camp. When we are faced with hopeless situations, we too must trust our hope in God's promise of life. We must trust that if God has given us His Word, that it will truly come to pass. You see, hopelessness steals from us a future glory. And it leaves us with nothing but the insufferable present in which our pain and our fear colors and invades all that was, all that is, and all that is to come. When we give in to hopelessness, we believe the lie that we will never be free of our present suffering. But hope, the hope of life, looks to the promise of God and believes that life will come forth from death Even when the mind cannot comprehend how, we trust the promise of the Lord Jesus when He said, I am the resurrection and the life. Whoever believes in Me, though he die, yet shall he live. And everyone who lives and believes in Me shall never die. The way that we have hope against all hope is that we look to the promise of life. For when Jesus said these words, his friend Lazarus had been laying in the grave long enough to begin to decay. There was no hope for Lazarus. He was dead. But according to his word of promise, the Lord Jesus raised him up to life. And you may look at your situation and you may think there is absolutely no hope for my situation. There is no way out. There is no way forward. But for those who trust the promise of God, there is always hope. When Mario Tonelli came home from the hospital, his father was not willing to believe that there was no hope for his son. He rejected the prognosis and began his son on a rigorous rehabilitation program, doing everything he could think of to strengthen his legs and his resolve. And as we read about Mario's story, we find that not only did he fully recover, but he strengthened his legs to the point that he could play football at the University of Notre Dame. There he picked up the nickname Mots and helped his team to win the 1937 National Championship. 
You see, Mats' hope in early life would become the evidence he needed to have hope to survive the next challenge that his life would bring. You see, the Lord does not only call us to have hope in promises, but to have hope in the evidence of new life. In our passage, the Lord does not merely promise life to sprout forth, but His promise comes to pass. Look at verses 8 through 9 of our text. It says, On the next day, Moses went into the tent of the testimony, and behold, the staff of Aaron for the house of Levi had sprouted and put forth buds and produced blossoms, and it bore ripe almonds. Then Moses brought out all the staffs before the Lord to all the people of Israel. And they looked, and each man took his staff. A few things I'd like you to note from the text. First, the word behold. This word is used to describe genuine surprise and wonder. Even though the Lord had promised that He would do this, when they went in and saw that the staff had actually sprouted, they were overcome with surprise that the Lord had actually done it. Behold, look what the Lord had done. The next thing I want you to note is that it was the staff of Levi that sprouted. Again, the Lord confirmed that His appointed mediator is the only means of of lying. Third, notice that the staff not only sprouted, but it put forth buds and blossomed and bore ripe almonds. It wasn't just the beginning of life that came forth, but it was full life. The Lord not only brought life from death, but He brought full and fruitful life from death. And last, I want you to see that all of the people of Israel looked and saw what had happened. Throughout His Word, the Lord has promised that He will bring forth life from death. In creation, He called forth all that is from nothing. In the barren womb of Sarah, he brought forth Isaac. He used Elijah and Elisha to call back the dead from the grave. The Lord Jesus Christ called forth Lazarus. But each time, it is almost too much to believe. To the point that when the Lord Jesus proclaimed that he would rise on the third day, his disciples just couldn't believe it. When they saw the breathless body of the crucified Christ laid to rest in the grave, they concluded that it was over. It is done. Jesus is dead. There is no longer any hope. Yes, He promised that He would come back from the dead. But how could that promise ever actually come about? Yet, just as Jesus promised, He delivered. For on the third day He rose from the dead. And when the disciple Thomas questioned this, the Lord Jesus said to him, Put your finger here and see My hands. Put your hand and place it in My side. Do not disbelieve, but believe. And when Thomas had seen the evidence, he said, My Lord 
and my God. When all hope is lost, we must look to the evidence that God brings forth life from death and have hope. We must look to the risen Lord and believe that He was the first fruits from the dead. And because He is risen from the dead, so too will all those who place their faith in Him. Don't let your current struggle be the evidence to which you look. Rather, look to the evidence that the Lord has been raised. And because He has been raised, so too will you be raised. Job was faced with a hopeless situation. He had lost all his property, all his children. He had lost his health. And yet he was willing to say, Though the Lord, though He slay me, I will hope in Him. How was he able to hope even in the face of death? Well, he says later, for I know that my Redeemer lives and at the last he will stand upon the earth after my skin has been thus destroyed. Yet in my flesh, I shall see God. He knew that even though he dies, the Lord brings forth life from the dead and how much more. We who stand on this side of the resurrection. Jesus lives. There is truth. Jesus is alive. And therefore, we can have hope even when all of life seems hopeless. In April of 1942, Mott's Tonelli would face the biggest challenge of his life. He had been taken captive by the Japanese military in the Philippines, and he had been forced to march nearly 70 miles without food or water in the sweltering heat of the Philippines in what came to be known as the Bataan Death March. 70,000 American and Filipino POWs began the march. Nearly 20,000 would die along the way. Yet even in the midst of this horrid situation, Mott's remained hopeful. He recalls that he would look at his Notre Dame National Championship ring and be reminded of all that he had overcome. Though it provided no food or water, the ring was a sign, he said, that could preserve him in the midst of this hard situation, that he could survive. And so the boy who was told that he would never walk again survived one of the most horrid marches ever to occur. You see, to have hope When there is no hope, we must believe the promise that the Lord will bring forth life. We must trust the evidence that the Lord has brought forth life. And finally, we must look to the signs that the Lord gives to His people to continue to remind us that He brings forth life from the dead. 
Look down at verse 10 of our text. There we read, And the Lord said to Moses, Put back the staff of Aaron before the testimony to be kept as a sign. You see, the staff was placed in the temple as a sign to those who would doubt and grumble against the Lord and His chosen priest. We are told in the book of Numbers that the staff was kept inside the Ark of the Covenant along with a golden jar of manna and the stone tablets containing the Ten Commandments. This living staff was a continual reminder to the people of Israel That with the Lord, there is always hope. And to us who gather here, we too have been given great signs of the Lord's work on our behalf. Signs that remind us of His promise to cleanse, to forgive, to sustain, and to preserve us into eternity. For though we are completely hopeless to cleanse ourselves, we come to the waters of baptism as a sign and a seal of our new life in Christ. And though our bodies are wearing away around us, we are given the sign of the bread and the cup of the Lord's Supper to remind us that though physically we are dying, spiritually we are being fed and we will never die. When we come to the place of complete hopelessness, we must remember that we have been baptized into new life. We must remember that our life comes from the life of Christ. And if we are not in Christ, then we are just dead branches that are to be gathered and burned. But if we are in Christ through our baptism, and as we remain in Christ through the sign of the Lord's Supper, we too will bring forth life. Spiritual life will come forth from us. And even though we were once spiritually dead, we will bear fruit. And just as Jesus Christ was raised up, so too will we be raised up on the last day. We must look to the signs of eternal life that the Lord has given to us that we might have hope in the midst of hopelessness. Now, the main point of our passage is to legitimize the priesthood of Aaron and Levi as the sole priestly line in Israel. The staff of Aaron sprouted and the grumbling of the people came to an end. There is no more debate. There is no more discussion. Aaron was the Lord's chosen priest. And in this miraculous act, the Lord indeed brought an end to the grumbling of the people of Israel. As we read through the book of Numbers, there will be a little grumble here and there. But for the most part, this widespread grumbling comes to an end. But what do we do with verses 12 and 13 of our text? It would have made me much more comfortable if we read these verses and the people rejoiced. That would have made my sermon a lot easier. They see that the Lord miraculously brought forth life to the staff of Aaron and they sing for joy. But that is not what happens. 
Rather, we read in verses 12 through 13, if you look there. And the people of Israel said to Moses, Behold, we perish. We are undone. We are all undone. Everyone who comes near, who comes near to the tabernacle of the Lord shall die. Are we all to perish? Israel is a people who have encountered real loss, real hardship. They have lost home in pursuit of new home. They have lost friends. They've lost family members. They have lost leaders. They have lost the hope that they will ever enter the land of Canaan. And what lay before them was a guaranteed 40-year journey that would end in death. And so verses 12 and 13 are no longer grumbling. They're lament. They're not a complaint, but rather they are an expression of grief. They have lost everything. And it's their fault. You see, true hope never begins with delusion. For it to be true hope, it must be based in reality. In truth. It is the conviction that the Word of God is a promise and it will come true. It is confidence in the evidence that Christ has defeated death. It is a firm belief that the sign and seal of baptism and the Lord's Supper has engaged us to be with Christ forever. But it is not a delusion that there will not be hardship along the way. It is not a delusion that we will no longer need the Lord to deliver us out of our hopelessness. The first generation of Israelites were not going to make it to the land of promise. So they lament. And yet, all those who hope in the Lord would enter His promised rest. And we too are like this generation. If the Lord does not first return, the path that each of us take must go through the gate of death. We are aliens and exiles here on this earth. We have no lasting city here. So how do you have hope when life seems hopeless? You look at the promise. You look at the evidence. You look at the sign. And you say, though my diagnosis is hopeless, one day there will be no more pain. Though I live with depression, one day every tear will be wiped away. Though my sight is fading, one day I will see clearly. Though my mind is failing, one day I shall know fully, even as I have been fully known. Though my spouse is gone, one day I will be joined to my heavenly husband. Though the answer to my prayers for healing is currently no, one day the answer will be a resounding yes. And though I go down into the grave itself, One day I will hear the voice of my dear Savior calling me forth from the grave. Come forth unto new and everlasting life. For the budding staff of Aaron is a promise. It is evidence. It is a sign that the Lord brings life from death. That He brings the hopeless hope. This is what the Lord does. He brings the hope of life. 
To the barren womb of Sarah, He brings life. To the dark tomb of Christ, life came forth. To the deadness of our souls, the Lord brings the hope of eternal life. And so, when you are faced with hopelessness, look to the promise. Look to the evidence. Look to the sign. And know the hope of life. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Let us go now and call out to the Lord that He would bring life. Father God, throughout Your Word, You give testimony To the fact that you call into existence that which is not. That you can take what is dead and you can bring forth life. Lord, and we know that in each of our lives there are situations that we are facing that are absolutely hopeless in our own minds. Lord, I know that there are those who are here this morning that are feeling hopeless. They are feeling like Israel. And so I pray, Lord, that You would speak forth Your life into the deadness of our souls. Father, I pray that we would be a people who would go forth in hope, knowing that You bring life through Christ Jesus our Lord. And it is in His name that we do pray. Amen.